is that oh that works all right uh, so they are moving to a new new building they did not say exactly when they were going to move though they said that was the last fellowship they will host in that particular building and uh, so anyway they were very excited about it I got to uh, they, they had a small group that were there uh, but nonetheless it was a good group as well We'll take our Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 65. I don't know why this is going in and out. We'll find out here in a minute. Maybe it's where my head is tilted. Isaiah, chapter 65. Joe, are we working this time on the uh, camera? So, I got news for you. If, you, if So, Greg, if you'll call Dennis and see if he is there. Anybody else got a cell phone? If you got a cell phone over here, give a call to Brother Randy. Who else is missing that would normally turn in Carla? We can get a hold of Carla as well. And we'll just get them on the phone and let them know that we're having technical troubles beyond our con control. And let's see if we can get everybody at least on the cell phone. So if you want to do that, that works out pretty well. Isaiah chapter 65. Uh, today, as you're turning there, I'd like for us to think about what we're going to be looking at, man's sinful nature. Uh, I want to take it a little bit uh, slower in our message this morning. Uh, I want to make sure that one of the things that we look at is understanding that many people are going to hate the message that we deliver. Now, again, I'm not trying to get under anybody's skin. And as I take a look at the different things that uh, we put on, and uh, for those of you that, don't, that are visiting for the first time, uh, we have had that completely covered. And we've been taking off uh, different ones as we make connection. Well, one of the things we believe in is total depravity. Total depravity means that when Adam fell, he brought all of mankind down with him because no one had been born at that point. And so the sins of Adam were passed on only in the fact that we are sinners because of him. We are not held accountable for Adam's sin, but we are accountable for our own sin. And the reason that I selected Isaiah chapter 65 is because this refers to what I believe is the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. He is coming again after the tribulational period, which we're studying now in eschatology. We're going to see that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign, and Satan is going to be bound for a thousand years. So what's going to happen to mankind? And that's the one question that seems to always be asked. So I want you to look at verse 17. We're going to read down to verse 25, and it says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. But, now this is not referring to the new heavens and the new earth, but this is referring to what it's going to be like when people are upon this earth without Satan's influence. He shall be glad and rejoice forever in that which I created. For behold, I create Jerusalem, a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. There shall be no more thence an infant of days. What does that mean? There is going to be babies that are born. They're going to reach to either 100 years of age or live out through the millennial reign. But what's going to happen to them? Nor an old and this, uh, but the sinner, being 100 years old, shall be accursed. And they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. 
For as the days of a tree are the days of the people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord, and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and the dust like the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in my holy mountain, say, well, saith the Lord. Now I'll bring this up to everyone that is listening today, because I want you to understand, it is not my intention to get under anybody's skin. I don't want, want to do that, but there is so much misinformation that is upon this earth today. You, you turn on the radio, you listen uh, to the television program or the television evangelist, and they're basically spewing out these words, well, if you just live good, everything is going to be all right. If you just do what I tell you to do, everything's going to be wonderful. And yet, why did God create a hell? And matter of fact, there's many preachers that are saying, oh, there is no hell. And yet, Jesus spoke of it. We know that it says over in the book of Mark, where the worm dieth not and the flame is not quenched. It also speaks in the book of Luke where it says, And the rich man lifting up his eyes in hell, being in torment. So we need to understand that hell is a very real place. But the reality is, is that, and I, I face this all the time when I speak to people and they'll say to me, Well, what do you mean, how can a loving God send someone to hell, you know, because if you the Now, Greg knows and Dennis knows and I know that this bottle is my lifeline in many ways. If I don't take this warfarin, my body is something that the traders have to deal with. And so I know, let me try to get this right here, I know that if I don't have a warfarin in my body, it's going to create an issue where my blood's going to coagulate and I'm going to have a problem. And I could go to the doctor and say, I don't doing this. It shows that I got a red light. All right. Can everybody still hear me? All right. I know what it is. It's because we're not recording. Watch this. But anyway, the reality is, is that when I take a look at Warfarin or I look at anything else, I could argue up a blue streak of that. If God really loves me, he's not going to let anything happen to me. And as foolish as that may sound, you know, there's many people in this world that says, I don't need to take medication, God's going to watch over me. And then when they die, people are saying, well, her faith must not have been strong enough. His faith must not have been strong enough. The reality is, the doctors that we have upon this earth are there for a reason. They take care of us wherever we, we need to do it. And we need to follow their example. When I tell people that that warfarin tablet is a bit of a lifeline, it's literally keeping my blood thin enough so that it will pump through and I'm not going to have a lot of coagulation problems. But there's another issue. I have to deal with something that is called 
sin. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Romans, chapter 6. And in the book of Romans, chapter 6, we find this beautiful model that the Apostle Paul wrote, which is called the Roman Road. Now, again, if you don't want to use the idea of the Roman Road, that's fine by me. But I want you to see one thing in particular in Romans, chapter 6. And many people misunderstand this. It says in verse 23, for the wages of sin, sin, singular, not plural, the wages of sin. When I commit sin, what is the total outcome that's going to occur? For the wages of sin is death. What did God say to Adam? Adam of all forth from the womb speaking lies. I hate to believe that, but it's true. I have this beautiful little grandson. His name's Reed. He is just as precious as he can be in my sight. But when Reed was a baby, I discovered something. As long as I was holding him, he never cried. But the moment I laid him down, he cried. And I literally, one day, I picked him up like this and he went, ah, ah, ah. I didn't even let him touch the pillow. But as soon as he felt the descent going down, he began to cry. Why was that? He wanted to be held. There was nothing wrong with him. He didn't need a diaper change. He didn't need to be fed. He just wanted to be held. Why is it that we come forth from the womb speaking lies? Because it is our nature. So for that in reality, we need to understand the purpose and the holiness of God. So today, I want us to talk about a little bit about the sinful nature of man. And again, I want you to understand, I'm not in judgment. I don't try to bring this as a part of judgment to anybody in this world. But I want you to know that I am a partaker of the marvelous grace of Jesus Christ. And I want to share that with you today. Father, again, I want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to stand before the people. And I pray that you will bless the messages you see fit. Thank you again, Lord, for those that are in attendance. And we pray that you will just bless us and keep us now. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Let's again, let's turn over one page to Romans chapter 8, and let's go down to verse 12. And we want to understand everything about sin. Now, in verse 12 of Romans chapter 8, we find here, again, the Apostle Paul, as he writes to the Romans, and he goes, I want to tell you what sin is all about. In verse 12 it says, Therefore, brethren, we are not the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if we through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Now, what does it mean to live? Well, if I go back, and this was what's kind of strange, let's go to Romans chapter 5 for a moment and go down to verse 12. Notice what it says. One more time, we're just going to be looking at various scriptures. It says, Wherefore, as by one man, Sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Now, that is God's word. That's not Mike Prater's word. If I go into the community and I tell people, we are all sinners, 
And I've done this. I've talked to people, and they'll look at me and they go, well, you just think you're better than I am. I, I don't think myself at all better than anybody else. Anyone that knows me knows that I don't think that at all. But the reality is, I have, a bit, I have partaken of something that is absolutely marvelous. I've taken part in something called grace. I didn't have it, uh, any desire within me to follow after Jesus. I had no desire to, to talk with Jesus, to be a part of Jesus. But I was made aware that I needed Jesus. Why did I see that need? Well, number one, I had to be shown that I am a sinner. Now, the reality is, is that when we talk about sin, it, you know, especially in the day and age which we live in, everybody and their grandmother has a level of sin. Well, have you killed anyone? Oh, you must be a terrible sinner. Have you done this? Oh, well, then you're, you're a marginal sinner. Have you done this? Well, you're just a low-life sinner. <laughs> reality is, sin is sin. And think about the very first sin. How bad would be for everyone to eat a piece of fruit, and that would cast everyone into sin? You think, well, that's just a small thing. That tree, God said, I have given you everything for fruit. For food. Look at all. are heading down into that precipice. That is why it says, by one man's sin, we all became sinners. One of the great examples of this is found in Genesis chapter 3 and 4. In chapter 4, it speaks of Cain and Abel. This is the willfulness versus the righteousness. Let's go over there for a moment, if you will. Genesis, and let's go to chapter 4, the first book in the Bible. We're going to go to chapter 4 and notice that there was one thing that God demanded, and that was his way. In verse 1 it says, And Adam knew of Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Verse 2 said, And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now, remember this. No doubt both of these boys have been instructed in the ways of God. Do you recall that when Adam and Eve tried to hide their nakedness, what they covered themselves with? Vegetation. 
They took, a, they took fig leaves and they sewed aprons and they covered the, 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 the lewdness, the newness of their bodies. But vegetation was never acceptable in the sight of God. He had to provide them proper coverings. And it says at the end of Genesis chapter 3 that he took coats of skin and covered their nakedness. They saw for the first time the death of lambs. They saw the death of creatures to cover them to make sure that they were that their sins were all put away. So when you read Genesis chapter 4, what you're finding is Adam had already instructed Cain and Abel the only thing that God blood sacrifice. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought forth fruit of the ground of the offering of the Lord. There's the vegetation. I believe that, that Cain brought forth the very best, the best onions, the best beans, the best squash, the best watermelon. Exodus chapter 12. And the Lord And whenever you see someone who says, I'm going God doesn't have to accept your way. God said, this is my way. And reality is, is Cain, Cain's attitude went to the next degree. Look what it says. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. You know who, who Cain was mad at? God. He wasn't mad at he wasn't mad at Abel. He was mad at God. And you know, every time I turn around, there are people that, that they look and they say, Well, what do you mean? He was mad at God. Because the fact is, they want God to accept them as they are no matter what. I was woke up late last night. And in the phone call that I, or in the uh, text message, do you have an email? I want to send you something. Would you watch this email? It's a video. And, and so at 10.30 last night, I woke up and, and I sent the message, what my email address was, and I got this message. I looked at it and I went, you're struggling to be accepted, but you don't want God's way.
just sit down and listen to me. I mean, just, just listen to the world. They are constantly saying, I reject God's way. May, may I point this out to you? How did God create marriage? A man and a woman. What are people saying? We reject that. We want man and man, woman with woman. Before long, it'll be woman with beast and man with beast. I want it my way. And then they say, if God wants me, he's got to accept me for who I am. No, he doesn't. That's the fallacy. God didn't have to accept Mike Prater the way he was. I was young. I was, I was impressionable. But God didn't have to accept me as I was. God made me see that I was bound for an eternity apart from him in a place called hell that was prepared for his devil and his angels. But by the marvels of faith, he began to open our understanding. I wrote this down. I want you to think about this for a moment. There are many people that they will turn around and say, you shouldn't have said that. Now you're going to go to hell. And I want you to think about this for a moment. Isn't it sad that we've allowed Hollywood and other people to allow them to tell us and dictate what salvation is? There was an old song written back in the early 60s goes, Where are you be? God, away from me. I, gotta, I want to go to heaven, so i got to be good. No, you being good has nothing to do with whether you go to heaven or not. I'm sorry. But I've said this. I'm sorry, Brother Randy. But anyway, the reality is this. Goodness has nothing to do with God's holiness. I'm a moral person. I like to think I am. And so in morality, I like to think that I'm good, I'm a pretty nice fellow, everybody wants to be like Mike, I mean, everything like that, and you know, that's the way it should be. But my reality is, because all I think you're wrong. I think you've got it all mixed up. And so when I see people make these statements that, you know, uh, you shouldn't have said that. They think that because you said something out of your mind. How many of y'all remember Flip Wilson? I mean, there's a bunch of us old folks in here. You younger folks probably never heard of Flip. He always did this one where he would say, the devil made me do it. Why I read to you all, or why I suggested Revelation chapter 20, well, Satan is going to be bound, and do you realize there's still going to be sin? There's still going to be rejection of Christ. One of the most telling books that I have upstairs was the, the fictional story of the millennial reign. And again, it was written by uh, Tim LaHaye. But in that message, one of the things he pointed out was suddenly a perfectly healthy child died on their 100th birthday. And it was like, it messed up the entire community. He seemed like a good kid. He seemed like a wonderful kid. And the plan of 
Should that shock us? It didn't. Because here's the reality is, is that every day, Sunday, we got news that Sister Dreamer had passed away. And yet the one question that came out was her Savior. And by the living family member of this church, I don't care if she was a founding member, did she know Jesus Christ as her Savior? The only hope can be found not in what you want, but what God wants. Think about this for a moment. In many ways, Christians thought that as long as I had the morals and the ability, anybody can testify for me, even the, the lowest preacher of them all. Let me tell you something, folks. I would not want it to have been that preacher that sat in front of Clarence Darrow during the Scopes trial. It was the Scopes trial that then brought into question creation. And look at the mess we're in today. Because they have picked apart the testimony of that preacher. You can pick apart my messages. You can say, I don't believe a thing that you have to say. But let me ask you, what will you say to Christ? When God said, I took my son, my only begotten son, and, and I ask you all this question, you know, before the Christmas time occurred, why did Jesus come? We love the fact is, is that, as a matter of fact, we're covering that up all the time. Now it's all about Santa Claus and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman and dear baby, it's cold outside. I mean, we, we do all those kind of things. But why did Jesus come? Jesus came because he had to die. Do you remember what Simon said or Simeon said? He goes, and a sword shall pierce your soul also, Mary. You're going to want Pretty soon Easter will roll around. And we're going to see people as they come flocking into church. And when they come into church, they want to sit there and go, oh, you know, just tell us the story, how good everything was. I'm going to tell you this. There is no such thing as good if you don't know Christ as your Savior. The victory which he rose, he rose from the grave. Why did he rise from the grave? To bring us hope. So when someone says, how can a loving God, listen to me, a loving God provided the escape. Remember what I told you about my medicine? I can refuse to take this. And I'll be dead. Every so many weeks I go in and I have my blood checked to see what my cumin levels are. Some days it goes a little high, sometimes it's a little bit low. Seems like they can you know, never get it regulated quite, quite right. But without that little pill... I would certainly be dead by now. 
That's strange, isn't it? But without Christ, I'll bust hell wide open. And you know, here's the other thing. He was crucified. He was buried. And he rose again. I serve a risen Savior. He's in this world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. How do I know that? I know that because he lives. How do I know he lives? He abides right here. And I know that he's going to take good care of me. I know that he'll always be with me. That is the promise and that is the hope. But let me show you something about the power of faith. Turn with me to the book of Romans again and let's go to chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. What I love about the book of Romans is there's such a simplistic way for us to read it. Faith did not come to Mike Prater on his own. Look what it says. If you will, let's go back down to verse 12. And it says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. What does that mean? If I truly believe in Jesus Christ, my eyes have to be made open to my sinful condition. Now watch this, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I love that verse. Do you know Michael? I, I know it's hard, it, it's hard to swallow sometimes. I am Prince Michael. But why? Because my father is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And someday I In the Greek, it's the same word as daddy. That is the closeness that I have with God the Father. Jesus has made it possible for me for that. I paid for that. I paid for that. The day that I and the Holy Spirit had to bring me to the understanding that I could not help myself. That I had to trust. This is the difficulty. Because faith allowed me to see Christ and that what he did, he lives. I remember many years ago, I sit down with my son, Tony. And he said, you know what the hard part is, Dad? Believing that he lives today. 
that he resurrected. And I looked at him, I said, Son, settle it in your heart. I know he lives. I know he resurrected. I read all the accounts beginning in John over in the Luke, and I read other accounts that Jesus arose. And when he arose, even the apostles questioned whether he was real or not. Do you realize the beauty of the day of Pentecost was when, when, when the Holy Spirit came, he wanted everyone to know right then and there he lives. You watched him ascend. You know what I love about Acts chapter 1? Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing? Why are you looking up? The same Jesus is coming again. And you've got what? You know, whether we have visitors or not, we have work to do. One of the reasons that I, I brought this track out, and I'm glad for all the notes I've gotten so far, is I want people to know that there is work to do. There is salvation to gain, a heaven to gain, and a hell to shun. And then the reality is, in verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, because of what Jesus has done, I am a joint heir with Christ. Sin has plummeted me towards hell. The work of Christ has redeemed me for eternity. So let me ask you, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you have any questions about the things that we believe and the things that we've taught, I'd love to be able to take the time to sit down with you and show you what the Bible says. Not because I'm an expert, because this is God's word, not mine. Let's be dismissed in prayer before we conclude. Lord, thank you again for your blessings, and I pray that you will bless this message. Now lead us and guide and watch over in all things, for it's in Christ we pray, and amen. Brother Randy, if you'll please come.